And back at you, we've got Robert Bridge on the line via Skype from Moscow. How was the traffic, Robert? World Cup traffic, eh? Uh, it's it's uh it's it's just a nightmare here, actually. Well, a good nightmare. I mean, <laughs> in terms of nightmares, it's not the worst, but it is very chaotic. Moscow hasn't seen anything like this in many many years. Never a World Cup like this. And I was just out there today in the, the center, right next to Red Square. And it was amazing. You had the the British fans um, getting really riled up. I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen. I mean, I've <laughs> I've had a few beers with British people before, but this was amazing. Uh-huh. Waving their flags, and um, the Cro- Croatians were, you know, just a stone's throw away from them down the street. And they had their celebration going. So it was just it was really amazing to see that. And the Russians. Um, well, I guess you heard the. I don't. I don't know how much. How, how much you want to get into this part of the conversation, but I guess you probably heard that there's, you know, there's all kind of rumors that there are going to be problems with the British and the foreigners over here. And, but none of that has materialized. It's been, it's just been awesome for the, for the people who have made the trip over here. Well, that's, that's <laughs> great news for, that's great news for Moscow. And I have not been to a world cup. Uh, I kind of have a sense for what the atmosphere is like in a, uh, a Super Bowl ish type uh, setting, but uh, sounds like sounds uh, sounds like things are out of control. But 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 very good. Con- well, very good out of control, if you will. But but uh, very good, obviously right. for, uh, for for Moscow. How long have you How long have you lived in? Uh, you're a Pittsburgh native, but how long have you lived in in, in Moscow? Uh, believe it or not, I've been here for two decades, twenty years. Wow, and, and you, you retain a, a very uh, a normal American accent, but I, I'm sure you are fluent in, in Russian. It, it is hard to shake the Pittsburgh accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of embarrassing for me to admit how long I've been here because I have not mastered the Russian language um, after 20 years. I've spent so much of my time writing, and that's my excuse that I've, you know, I'm a journalist over here, so I'm spending a lot of time. And I didn't ever anticipate coming over here it was a bit of a fluke. So, but I mean, I, I can, I can hold, you know, conversations. But uh, even people I know though who have, you know, spent four years in college studying Russian, they're still struggling to perfect it. So it's, it's a very difficult language. Yeah, believe it or not, my 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 mother, uh, that was her her ma- major. Uh, in college, was uh, in, one of our aspirations was to become a translator at the at the uh, at the at the uh, at the UN. The, the Moscow News is you are a, you are a, a, a former editor in chief of the Moscow News. Uh, tell listeners a little bit about that. Um, well, it was uh, <laughs> I got in the door there. There was an editor there, uh, an old Soviet-style warhorse. His name was Sergey Roy. And uh, there was a columnist, to make a very long story short, uh, there was a columnist there who I really liked. She had a by, a by I forget her name, unfortunately. But uh, I always looked forward to her columns, and they, they suddenly stopped appearing. So I just decided to pay the Moscow News a visit. They were in the center of Moscow, and uh, I, I offered them to give my perspectives of Russia and the Russian scene from, a, from an American perspective, an American in Moscow, which was the name of the column. So Sergey Roy uh, very graciously accepted my, my uh, invitation, and uh, my career within the Moscow News kind of went from there, and I you know, became a journalist, a columnist. And then uh, after a few changes of hands, the Moscow News, it's, uh, uh, I don't know, 
how much you know about it, but it's it's actually I was very honored to work for them and become the editor in chief because uh, for Soviet the Soviet people it was uh, one of the one of everybody knows that it's like Coca Cola I suppose you could say in terms of the brand name um, it was a way that the Russian people learned their English I suppose you could say most of all yeah so um, it was a real honor I, I was there for a little under two years uh, as the editor in chief and um, I had a lot of very good very good. Uh, uh, memories from the from that time so yeah yeah exactly it was uh, it was english language and it, it was actually it's been around I, I forget exactly how long it had been around it's not it's no longer in publication any longer it, it was uh, back probably 60 years, 70 years ago. The thing was the paper was was running, and uh, it, it went through its fluctu fluctuations. And um, I, I suspect that someday it will come back again because the brand name is so popular. So I uh, just somebody needs to come along and give it some an injection of finance, I suppose. Kind of like a hostess Money. Twinkie, perhaps. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Never goes away. <laughs> okay, so you know, I, I, uh, I, I think the the title of your I don't know if it's your most recent book, but it's the 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 one book that I know that you've written, uh, Midnight in the American Empire. That kind of hits extremely hard, and I don't know if you've had a chance to look at what what I do, what we do with with this program, uh, discussions of truth. Uh, we started this. I started this. Uh, a, a, a close to a couple of years ago, uh, when a, f a good friend of mine had me looking into uh, the local Z threat of the Zika virus and the pesticide that was being sprayed for it, called called Nail It, and 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 and, and I, I put together two and two. Uh, it kind of blew my mind in that the CDC was saying that Zika was causing microcephaly, but uh, per studies out of Sweden, um, it, it, it was shown that this that this uh, pesticide called uh, Nail It uh, or or Dibrom, uh, it itself caused microcephaly so that was that's what was being used uh here by the local government to spray the uh, spray the popular the human population with uh to, to combat this this zika virus um and uh mm -hmm. yeah and then i then i kind of thread together uh a neutral and interesting um uh, uh economic uh, uh uh involvement from the rockefeller foundation they had funded the scientists in the 1940s to uh uh, to discover the Zika virus, uh, extracted from a macabre monkey, and, and and see how it acted in a human uh, human brain, and then they are also the majority shareholders of the Chevron Chemical Corporation in the fifties to design the the the, the nail it. It just just kind of some of these different things that kind of popped out and were like, wow, this is interesting, and got me got me on this kind of a road of uh, discovering a lot of things. And then I then it took me down a road of a uh, Stanford uh, Hoover fellow named Dr. Anthony Sutton that gave a nineteen seventy two address to the Republican convention in in Miami Beach and explained some some banking involvement that he was uh, he was actually criticized for and reprimanded back in Palo Alto and uh, and and he wa actually ended up walking away from his job because they said hey look you don't ever divulge that information again and he says he says look you know American taxpayer needs to know this and people need to know this stuff and so from from there Robert I just kind of started this and it's a, it's a weekly program we do out of Winwood Radio uh, Winwood District of, of Miami and, uh, and 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 I think what the road you're going down here or that you've gone down. 
um, mm-hmm. uh, is 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 incredible. And 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 Nomi Prince, she's a former Goldman Sachs um, employee. She 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 was on the show a couple weeks ago. We we've had some we've had some former CIA people. There's the Americans Americans are walking blindly as far as I'm concerned as to. The uh, the banking involvement that kind of operates the mechanics of of the government, but maybe you can tell us, uh, take it away, and, and tell us a little bit about uh, uh, about your book. Uh, tell listeners about your book. Uh, well, f- well, first of all, it took far too long for me to write it. Okay, <laughs> it was it was it was my first book, and uh, it took me literally uh, ten ten years to put this thing together. And when I when I sent it, well, first of all, I'll give you some background. I, I worked for. A major corporation in the United States for about eight years, and uh, through that experience, and I was also I was also a member of um, three three different labor unions um, in my time. So uh, through those experiences, I, I became very disillusioned uh, with the whole corporate structure, and I I uh, I just understood through my own personal experiences through watching it firsthand inside of the belly of the beast, so to speak, that um, one, there was something very wrong with the system. And in my, in my opinion, and in what I tried to put forward in this, in this book of mine, uh, which is actually, it's a bit dated now, you know, it's been out for a few years, but right. it, I think it still touches upon the main issues. Um, and that, that's that there's no real corporate democracy, as I call it, as other people have called it, in the, in the system. And there's really no way to... For people um, in all branches of the corporation, management, uh, labor, whatever, whatever part you happen to be in, to really forward your concerns. And, you know, for example, in the labor unions, I know that they're not a perfect institution within the corporate structure, but it's really all we've got when you look at it. And back in like the 1970s, if I'm not mistaken, the percentage of of labor was in, in a union represented by you. And that's the important word represented by the union was 38%. And now today it's, it's dwindled down to like 8%. Wow. And when you look at the fact, when, when you, yeah, when you compare that drop uh, with the, with the, the wages of Americans, you know, they're, they're really, they've dwindled. They, they're basically stagnant. The American wages have been stagnant for the last 40 years. They're not keeping up with inflation. Um, and you could, you could make the argument, which I try to do. That's not the, I mean, there's other, many, many other parts to the book, but that's one part that I talk about is that, you know, the labor unions, you know, and it's an obvious point that they're no longer there. Plus, uh, in, in addition, the, the power that has been granted to the corporation in terms of, um, politics, how they're able to, you know, with the, for example, the, uh, court case citizens United, uh, it, it basically granted, uh, transnational corporations, the ability to dump as much money into our political system, into our um, uh, election process as they want. There's no, even foreign corporations can come in and just, you know, and they talk about Russian interference in our in our election process. And that's, I mean, and, and what did the Russians do? They had a few Facebook ads and Twitter, Twitter ads yeah. <laughs> amounting to very little money. And they didn't even, they weren't even anything, you know, connected. With, the, with with what you know with the election process basically and they came out when well, anyway, that's another story but uh, the amount of influence that these corporations and it's it's not something that's just happened too it's been a slow process that's been taking place ever since like the 19th century with a bunch of different court cases 
starting with the Dart Dartmouth court case, which is just amazing. The things that they have, you know, basically they've they've given the corporation all of the powers of a human being that are that are ascribed in the, the Constitution for human being for the American people. The America the corporations essentially have those same powers. So and in addition to many others that the American people don't have. So how do you fight against something like that? And uh, that that's the question that I try to raise in this in this book. I don't know how successful I am at, at, at that I you know I don't know if I accomplished what I wanted to, but that that was the main question is how can we get how can we find democracy within within this structure that's just so out of control. Wow. I mean that's <clears throat> that's that's an incredible kind of viewpoint to to look at it. And and I think I don't know if you want to speak to this at all, but uh, you know there's you're talking about you know the whole the whole birther issue and then even equating to like you know when Obama was elected president and, and there's no legitimate actual birth certificate but but really when it comes down to it from a government standpoint the birth certificate i mean the government kind of looks at and, and, and it's hard for it's hard for you know people to kind of think of it this way but the, the but the individual you know social security number it has value in itself and it basically it basically symbolizes what the value Value of that holder, the the holder of the, birth, the 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 social security card, or or the you know the ID number of the individual, the civilian, uh, what their value will be over the lifetime, and you know their kind of financial contribution to via taxes or whatever it may be uh, to to mm-hmm. to that government. So in a sense, I, I think you know every individual in regards to Uncle Sam, he kind of just looks at each each uh, uh, civilian as uh, as as its own their own. Little kind of business or their own little corporation. I don't know if you want to talk uh, touch on that at all. Um, yeah, uh, that's that's a good point. And I've also heard uh, I can't I wouldn't be able to get into the details of it, but I've heard that they actually sell people's social security right. numbers. It's I, I, it's I mean, and, and, and somehow the the British or I don't know how I don't I haven't really examined that. But as far as taxation goes, you know, you have taxation without representation, which is what kicked off, uh, you know. A well-known past American Revolution, for example, and here you have today like companies like um, General Electric and many others that are basically dumping their profits overseas. They're not pay. They're, they're literally not paying any taxes on their money on the profits that they make. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they park that. They park their money overseas, um, and they wait for the so-called. They wait for the so-called. Uh, what is it called? A tax holiday. Where they can, where they can repatriate their money, their profits back to the United States uh, at a real significant discount. So they're they're just you know they've got billions, if not trillions, of dollars overseas that could be going to uh, you know our own financial coffers here, our budget, our paying for many different programs that we certainly need. But it's it's sitting overseas, probably in a Swiss bank account, um, and they're just waiting for the so-called tax holiday. To bring that money home, um, so that's that's one part of it. You just have this taxation without representation within the corporation, and uh, which I believe is it's a travesty that it's not that 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 issue is not being looked at enough. They're just getting away with highway robbery, really. Yeah. So so, um, go ahead. So what is Robert? What what does it mean? Midnight 
in the American Empire. Of course, it's, I, I think it's a 2013 book. That's when you published it. It's, like you said, it's a few years old, but uh, it's still very, very relevant to uh, to life in Americans. If not, if not more, it becomes it actually becomes uh, more relevant with every year, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, certainly more relevant today than than perhaps it was yesterday, in my view. But what does it mean, midnight? What do you what do you what do you convey there by 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 that title? What what does that mean? Well, the, the the darkness that is set upon the American Empire, and then you have the um, the allusion to the the British Empire, for example, where they said that uh, the sun never sets on the on the British Empire just simply because of the geographical distance uh, uh, that it that it yeah. had. It was it was such a global uh, entity at, at the height of its uh, strength. Yeah. And here you have midnight in the empire, in American Empire. So basically, the sun has set on on the American Empire, and I believe it's the darkest period of our of our. I mean, on the one hand, you have you have great, um, you have the best innovation coming out of. I don't want to knock the country too hard. I love the country, and that's why I wrote the book. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I tell my friends and family members who you know get pissed off with me. And, you know, how could you knock America? How could you hate America? How could you criticize? And I, I said, the only people who could criticize it are the people who love it the most. You know, you don't criticize something that you don't want to see. I want to see it improve. Right. And uh, that's that's why anybody would criticize something. I won't waste my time criticizing Croatia, for example. I have no feelings for the place, for example. No offense to Croatians. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so you have to have some kind of intimate feeling for the place, which I obviously do. And I want to see it succeed, but I, I really feel that despite all of our innovations now, all of our power, all of our, you know, so many fantastic things about the country that on the other hand, the flip side of the coin, we are, we are in a really, really dark period. And I, I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. And not just with regards to power, as regards to, um, and I, I don't know, I, I had some good, I don't know if you want to bring this to the conversation, but for example, Donald Trump, I, I had some good, some uh, optimistic feelings. Yeah. I thought that that might have been the, the heading in the right direction. Um, I'm still not sure on my, my own personal feelings about that. I'm still not sure where it's going. <laughs> sure. But uh, because basically being here in Russia, uh, I saw that Hillary Clinton was taking things. It, I, I think we would have been at war right now. Uh, I don't know what your personal feelings are on that, but I, I, I felt that had Hillary Clinton been in office, for example, we would be at war right now. Whereas Trump, he did he did launch a couple missiles at Syria, but that didn't really result in anything. And it really showed the hypocrisy of the liberals. They, that was the first time that they ever cheered for the guy was when he actually launched an attack on a foreign country for basically no reason, a chemical attack that was never proven. So, um, uh, so... I think that we're right at a crossroads right now, and America has to like make some really serious decisions on where we're going. Otherwise, we're going to head probably head off a cliff, if not with a you know the the economy the way it's going. Um, you know, they, the media wants to paint it as it's you know this fantastic, it's going great. But if you look at the hidden data, um, it's really not doing very well at all, and. It, it really could, in my opinion, it could just, the whole thing could, the, the bottom could fall out any at any time. 
Yeah. So and, and the real stri- many many things to think about. Yeah, the real striking kind of the real striking issue here is uh, what 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 you alluded to. Even even in even in union representation, I mean, kind of Midnight in the American Empire, you're kind of you're looking at hey hey guys, you know you're you, you're not being represented democratically even on an economic level, and that's kind of one of the that's kind of one of the the nice kind of uh, ways to juxtapose uh, life if you can do it. But but yeah, you're saying hey look, union representation is, is shrunk from 30 something percentage down to uh, you know currently. Like eight percent, and 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 what I'm thinking of you know, back in the 1980s, even media, the way that uh, the way that Americans received news and that thing was in, the, in was in the hand of about 80, 80, 80 different companies, and now a few decades later, it's now down to like six different companies, which just basically means that money in power is becoming more consolidated and, and, and you know you've you, you you've even you've now shown that and you've brought that to the table here on in the program with uh, even union representation so I I think I think what you're you're getting at is, is very intriguing now Ray McGovern who joined us a few weeks ago he spent he spent almost three decades in the in the CIA and he's been in Washington for five five decades and he says he says Ian it's no longer it's no longer a military uh, industrial complex and that's not where we're looking at that's a famous kind of uh, Eisenhower as he was leaving office that's what he was saying military industrial complex. What, you, what he says, he says now, he says, he said, he said, he said, Ian, you're looking at a military industrial congressional media complex, mm-hmm. and and the way that information is being passed, and it's kind of like you're saying, you know, we we're all very proud Americans, we love this country. Well, we want to make sure we want to make sure that some of these inalienable rights, rights, and the Constitution stays intact, and that's where, that's where we're being, that's where the threat is today. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And uh, everything from, you know, the possession of guns to uh, inalienable rights to, you know, freedom of speech. And now you have the Internet and it looks like they're, they're going to be clean. What, what's happened, for example, with um, with YouTube? You know, I, I really look to YouTube for <laughs> there are a lot of channels on there um, in addition to, you know, yeah. people like you who are put, putting out your message by radio and um, but over YouTube, there was a lot of uh, alternative channels that were addressing. And whenever there was some sort of questionable, you know, for example, a terror attack or something like that, they would come out with their own version of events. I had the ability to weigh their opinion. And I didn't, you know, you don't have to accept their opinion. You can, you can listen to it. Right. You know, we're adults. We can, we can listen to an alternative opinion and then, you know, make our own judgment. But um, these channels... Um, you know, ever since this whole Russian thing exploded on the scene, which has just been a, you know, huge false flag, whatever, um, that's, it's just the whole the YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and everything. It, it, the whole thing is collapsing and they're, they're really reining it in. And now those channels that I really look to and very intelligent citizen journalists, I mean, you know, talk about dedication to, to real ethics. I mean, these people know far more about you know, the journalistic trade and the journalists work for the New York Times or exactly. the Washington Post. You know, yeah. They're out there really, I mean, they're just doing exactly what journalists should do. They're presenting the facts. You don't have to, you know, believe it. They're just putting everything out there, all the information that they have, however controversial it is. But now those channels, a lot of them, 90% of them that I, that I was watching anyways, they're gone. They just completely, YouTube, because they're a private company, they say, and they are, it's utilities, you know, like Google and all these other places. They're, they've become so big that 
you know, without them, you know, if, if you try, if you're if you're a YouTuber and you want to have your own channel and you want to put your own version of events up there, you have to go to some inner, uh, platform where very, there are very few people who even listen to it. So YouTube is really the only, in that particular uh, medium, you know, for those people who, who want to use YouTube, uh, they just basically cut those people off. They gave them three strikes, you know, they're out, and uh, they can find whatever excuse they want to get you out of there, and they did. And it's really a tragedy, um, and it's really unfortunate because now you it's becoming homogenized our our source of information it's it's just you know you have like you said you even you, you talked about the six six global media corporations and they just own every and they don't want to they don't want to give up one inch of that power exactly you know because uh, and that's that's what they're so afraid of like um with for example the russian media that's come on the scene rt and other places and uh al jazeera and uh you have multiple competitors now you know just 15 even less 10 years ago you didn't have those competitors on the scene to challenge the mainstream u.s mainstream western mainstream media voice it was one and they could just put whatever they wanted out there and there's no way to challenge it but now you have competitors who are able to you know, you know challenge that 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 one the homogeneity homogeneity that they had that uh unilateral unilateral voice and that's just that's just the worst way to handle news, and but that's the way they wanted it because they could control the news, and you know once you control the narrative, you control everything. You can you can have your own justification for why you went to war, for why you went into you know had had, had these alternative news channels, YouTube channels, and all these other things been available, for example, during the, the Iraq War of 2003. I personally believe that we would never have gone into Iraq. I think the protest. The people would have been so enlightened, and they would have been able to rally against these types of, of just brazen attacks on a on a on a foreign people for absolutely no reason. And I think that's also possibly part of the reason why we haven't gone um, ballistic, so to speak, in Syria. You know, because you do have so many people who are seeing things and. You know, the internet hasn't been completely shut down yet. Although that's that is definitely in the cards for the for the um, the global elite. Um, yeah. They want to shut that. They want to shut that down. They don't want people to have that access to 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 an alternative voice. Yeah, exactly. Um, the the book Midnight in the American Empire. What is the crux? of the message that you aimed to deliver with that book and what are you currently working on? Uh, well, right now I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I, I, I'm a columnist and I put out, I'm basically a geopolitical analyst, I guess you could say. Um, and, uh, right now, I'm just kind of looking at the different uh, aspects of. Uh, I, I would like to write another book, and uh, I'd like to write about how you know what got us into our present predicament in terms of um, the war on terror and where it's gone from there, and uh, the American appetite for for re regime change operations around the world. You know what 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 was the what was the trigger that that started that and i mean part of it of course was the fact that 
the Soviet Union collapsed and it basically yeah. it uh, opened the door to, you know, America had this window of opportunity. And I think many countries, uh, you know, not just because Americans or I think any any people in a similar situation who have the power, they would be tempted possibly to, to do the same thing. You know, if you don't have some kind of balancing force in the world, then people are going to naturally take advantage of it and attempt to assert their authority on other places. And that's what, that's what I believe happened, for example, with Iraq. And, you know, as, uh, what was his name? Uh, U.S. The U.S. General, well, Wesley Clark, you know, came out once and admitted, I believe it was on the Democracy Now! panel, that, you know, it's basically the United States has a plan. And he admitted this. I couldn't believe he did. But he admitted that somebody, a general high-ranking official, told him that there are plans in the works to attack to, to bring down the governments of seven different countries. And some of those countries we've already been in, you know, Libya, uh, Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, we, we tried to get into Syria, but that so far has been shut down. I don't know how that's going to go. I don't know if they're going to try to find a back or way into there. I personally think they will. They're, they're, they're really trying to find a way to do that. And uh, they don't. So anyways, yeah, that, that, but, uh, I'm considering now some, something about that, about the, the regime change uh, operations that have plagued the planet. Now, what, what, do you, uh, what, what kind of comment do you have, if any, on the term New World Order? We, we know it's, it's, it's been around for various decades. We, we heard George Bush uh, Sr. Uh, speak about it. It it's actually happens to be on the back of the uh, U.S. American dollar bill. Uh, Novus Ordo Seclorum. Um, what what thoughts do you have behind that phrase? Is there is there any um, is there any weight to that in in your view? Um, how does how does the American Empire uh, involve itself in that? Is there a another layer uh, uh, outside of America? Is there an international conglomeration or cartel that's involved that's maybe working uh, and using perhaps the U.S. Constitution to their benefit? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, how do I answer that one? Uh, well, as far as the New World Order goes, I, I guess it would, it, in order to understand it, well, first of all, um, referring to my favorite film, The Big Lebowski, that was the opening scene in The Big Lebowski where the very first speaking part, and this is a great trivia question, it's your next bar trivia trivia event. Um <laughs> is that George W. H. George H. W. Bush had the first speaking part in the Big Lebowski, and he was actually uh, talking about the New World Order. And, uh, yeah. Well, anyways, that's, yeah, but uh, I think what's important about the New World Order is what they want to do uh, and what they want to bring in. And I think it's going to have a lot to do with the technology that, that we see, the, the incredible technology that is just probably much more advanced than we even know. And uh, part of it would be, um, as one of the Rockefellers admitted to, I forget who he admitted that to, Nelson, uh, I believe it was Nelson Rockefeller talked about it, it basically chipping, you know, the microchip in people. Yeah. That, was, that would be part of it. And then you have this whole move towards robotics and AI, artificial intelligence, and uh, you've got this huge move towards towards these types of really terrifying technologies. 
I mean, these robot robotic dogs, which I think are the most horrifying things I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, things like that. It's just the future, and the future. It's I think it's already here. They just haven't unveiled everything. And you know, you talk about, for example, like artificial intelligence and robotics and I remember there was a presentation one time uh, that I saw on, on somewhere on YouTube. There was a guy standing on the stage and he had a tiny, tiny little drone. And he threw this drone out into the audience and it spun around the hall. And there was a mannequin uh, situated on the stage. And this drone zoomed in and hit the, hit the mannequin smack in the middle of the forehead and blew up. Okay. Um, this little drone was loaded with a, like a tiny little explosive. So they're, you know, they're talking about the future of warfare where you could, you could dump, you know, get a B-52 bomber and load it up with, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of these little drones with, you know, each one programmed to, to go someplace. And I mean, that's just, you know, that's just uh, an example of where we're heading with technology nowadays. It's, it's becoming so, um, out of control and where's it going? This, this, uh, whole, um, question of the internet of the thing of things you know where our teapots and our cars and um, every time I hear about a car wreck now um, I'm thinking to myself okay maybe somebody you know if it's somebody famous I, well, I'm not going to get into who but um, there have been incidences and uh, you know famous people have been killed in, in rather peculiar circumstances in their cars and you know now you have the ability where these cars can be hijacked remotely. Um, for example, we have you know, in our in our homes now refrigerators, our televisions are listening to us. Our you know so so many different aspects. And where's this going to be in in 15 years? I can't believe that this is going to really serve the consumer's interests. Um, it looks like it's heading towards something uh, that's really dark. And the people who control it are going to have an awful lot of information over people. And nobody, it's, it's interesting to, strange to me that nobody's really speaking out against these things. It's like we, we just take it for granted because it's a example that it's, a, you know, it's a great thing. It's going to clean our carpets. It's going to walk our dogs. It's going to, you know, but in reality, the, the dark side, and that, that's the image that the media wants us to see too. They don't ever really talk about the fact that these robot dogs, for example, could, I mean, literally uh, transform, if they imagine a protest, you know, if you have a protest and you have these dogs that are, I mean, really, they, they're so advanced now, you get a, a pack of these dogs in a protest, I mean, you could, you could take out 100,000 people, <laughs> round them up or, you know, make, put them on the, on the run. Imagine a robotic horse, for example. I mean, it, it, so it's just, it boggles the mind. It's very disturbing where it's going and I don't see anybody talking about a need the need to rein this in and make sure that this technology doesn't get completely out of control, which it looks like it is. So where it's going to lead us, I don't know. Looks like midnight in the American Empire. Well said. Well said, Robert. Uh, some closing uh, comments for you. I appreciate uh, you joining the program. Look forward to inviting you back on. But what 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 closing comments do you have? For listeners, and 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 certainly, I want to appeal to any anyone international because because at the end of the day, that's what we all we all look for is we look for peace and harmony, regardless of language or or country or or, or boundary uh, that we've that we've created for one another. 
Um, what uh, what message would you like to drive home for any listener uh, moving forward? Um, well, I think the most important thing right now is just to question authority and question everything that we're being told in, in the media. And I don't think that we're, we're really doing a very good job of that, uh, although with the exception of people like you and, you know, uh, YouTubers out there, bloggers, people who are trying to make a difference. But those sources of information, uh, they're, they are being, they're under attack. And it's, it's our duty, I believe, as uh, people who, who want to see our country move forward in advance and for the truth, the truth to finally win out to make sure that these types of, of avenues for people, citizen journalists and bloggers and YouTubers and whoever, people on Twitter, um, who you know have the ability, have the right to get out there and, and post and, and talk about what is wrong with society. Because unless the people get out there and do that, it's never, it's never going to happen. It's, it's the people ultimately who are going to make the big changes in society, not, not the major corporations and not the CEOs because they're in it for, let's face it, for one thing, for the, you know, the bottom, the bottom line, which is profit. And that's never in the best interest of the people. The Kirkus, Kirkus Review writes about Robert's book, A View of Corporate America from Afar, that will likely offend some readers, but ring with truth for others. We urge you to go and buy Robert's book, Midnight in the American Empire. Robert, thanks for joining us, and uh, have a great night. Um, enjoy the World Cup in Moscow. Thank you so much, Ian. It's been a real honor, and thank you for having me on the show. I look forward to talking to you again. Okay. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, via Skype, author Robert Bridge. As mentioned, Robert is former chief editor of what sounds like is a historically pretty big deal, the Moscow News. He thinks it'll be picked back up shortly. I'm sure it will. Midnight in the American Empire. Not for the fan at heart or thin of skin. As always, on this program, I try to dig deep. If I'm not going to do it, Who's going to do it? And like Robert said, don't let the CEO or the big corporate board do it for you. Because their decision will mean most likely your expense. You've tuned into special edition of Discussions of Truth. We will be right back for the doubleheader on this Wednesday. Sandy Rosenthal. Midnight in the American Empire. Robert Bridge. I am your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. IanTrottier.com. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. I'll be right back. This is Winwood Radio.